you know who's who is 13 going on 30 and looks exactly like adult Jenna Rink is Krista B. Allen, who played little Jenna Rink in 13 going on 30. Except now she's 30 and it's full circle. Oh shit. That's yeah. how time works, right? Time is a construct. Nothing is real. Unless you listen to last week's episode where we talked about the time cube. Last week's episode of what? <laughs> this <laughs> podcast, which is called Crime Culture. Oh, good. You got it right. Oh, I was worried. We're here. We're in it. We're going. We're here. We're queer. It's pride. Get Hell used to yeah. it. Woo! I'm excited. Are yeah, we excited? in it. I am excited. Well, I mean, I'm I, in it. I don't know if New York is having pride this year. I don't believe so because I haven't heard anything going on. But next year, you better believe I'm going to be at pride and just fucking tits out. <laughs> it's going to be a time. I think I think Palm Springs is going to do pride because a <gasps> friend of mine um like i don't know if you call it captains or whatever she does a party bike down there and she was saying she was like yeah pride's gonna be like crazy this year and i was like oh so they are doing it but i think la pride i have to ask a friend of mine who's like closer to like the the like down where like the abbey is and everything Uh um but like i need to ask him and be like hey by the way because he told me we both are fully vaccinated now woohoo and mm-hmm. I, he was like, when do I get to see you? And I was like, soon, I hope. I'll pretend that I care for like a minute. And he told me that if I did not come visit him, it would be homophobic because it is Pride Month. <laughs> and yeah. so. I mean, true. Uh, you got me there. Yeah. You got me there. And like, I'm unemployed, so I can't get canceled before I get a job. I need a job to lose in order to get canceled. So right. hire me. Um, <gasps> <laughs> turning that one around. Yeah, let's do it. Why the fuck not? Am I right? But yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think we're are we ready to fucking start? I think I was going to say, I think we actually are keeping the banter to a minimum this time and getting (gasps) started. (gasps) Look at that. Look at us. I know. So for those who don't know, this is a Patreon pick. Is it really? This is. We did a Patreon pick poll. How many times can I go? Puh. For the puh, ASMR. Plosives. Um, what? My husband taught me that. What is the fuck? That's why we have the the pop filter. It's too the technical pop for you. filter? For you to understand. So why don't you just... Um, what the fuck is that supposed to <laughs> why mean? Don't you, why don't you just talk <laughs> no, about I your, think, your case I think this week? we should talk about what the shit you're trying to say. No. Uh, <laughs> off mic. You want to talk about homophobic. Whoa. Um, hey. Hey. Be nice to me. I know my worth. (laughs) I hate you so much. Um, So this is a Patreon pick. I think right now we only have um, Lucian as... And honey, I am going to second guess myself every time I say your name. It's just a given. Like, I'm going to sound really inorganic saying it. It's just going to happen. Just just let it happen, baby. Just let it happen. All right. Lucian has Um, way too much power and is... Yes. really just monopolizing this <laughs> podcast so people need to uh, join it. the patreon and have a say in what episodes we do and this power imbalance um although you- although picking good episodes i will tell you i mean yeah i am not mad at, at these choices like truly i'm not mad at these choices um 
but yeah so this is this is this one i wanted to say this is a choice but i feel like that's gonna sound really shady um i walked y'all through glee a couple weeks back yeah yeah we did i'm probably going to need to walk y'all through this whole thing because i'm in it i'm ready like for example Haley, you do not watch drag race correct i have seen probably half of one season what channel is it on (laughs) am i um which channel is it on now or which channel was it on because it's been bopping around yeah so that might be the the main problem because i have Mm -hmm. zero tv channels i have given up that i mean and, so have um, i you just make a burner email and you log into vh1 with a different burner email every time you don't even need to make the email just that's put a an lot email in. that's a lot of effort no you just like like lol 69420 at hotmail.com and then make up a fucking password and you've got a 24-hour pass my dude i do the thing where i uh depression watch the same show over and over again so that's mm. kind of my jam See, my my original depression watch was to go my my same friend that I need to visit before Pride is over. So he has a friend who has a sports bar in Silver Lake in L.A. And every well, it 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 changed. It, the premiere days have changed. Um, but every at the time Friday that there would be a RuPaul's Drag Race there would be no sports it would be drag race on every single tv in that sports bar and there would be drag bingo beforehand um various guests show up i forget he's gonna kill me i forget who hosts drag bingo but she was just on the last season of all stars rupaul's drag race all stars we'll get into it babies we'll get into it um but yes, needless to say, I am very excited for this episode. Okay, um, tell me what I, it's about. I am living. It is about Venus Extravaganza, which just, oh, that fucking Perfect name. name. Beautiful name. Um, and she was born on May 22nd, 1965 in Jersey City, New Jersey. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Look at you. Uh, she was one of six kids, four brothers named Frank, John Jr., Joseph, and Louis, and one sister named Claire. And they were born to Italian and Puerto Rican parents, John and Olga, or Ali Pelagati. So Venus chose her name. She was inspired by the goddess of the Roman goddess of mm-hmm. love, beauty, desire. You know, you know the drill. I'm your Venus. I'm your fire. No, 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 no. Um, razors. Razors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> razors. Um, and she chose this name basically after she secretly began cross-dressing and performing in drag as at the time a boy um and that was at about 13 or 14 before she came out as trans and just her dream was to have gender confirmation surgery um so she was like i want to i want to get this done i want to live my life and i want to just be the woman that i've always dreamed of being and that included modeling and being a wife hell yeah like just you know just like something that so many people take for granted exactly yeah so i i just 
I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, so she said in the documentary Paris is Burning, which I will get into in a little bit, um, quote, I don't feel that there's anything mannish about me except maybe what I might have between me down there, which is my little personal thing. So I guess that's why I want my sex change, end quote. Mm-hmm. So when her parents discovered she was trans again, she was like early, early teens. Uh, she moved out. She she left and went to New York because she said she didn't, quote, want to embarrass them. Oh, end my quote. God. Yes. Well, I mean, think about it. Italian and Puerto Rican parents. And um, this was around like what era? This this is let's see. She was born in 65. We'll round up to 15 years. So it's 1980. Oh, and that is a scary New York yeah 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 um i i math i'm i'm now second guessing myself it's 85 i did mental math correctly so it's 1979 but i did mental math and that's what matters still that that time in in new york in certain areas especially is rough yeah absolutely so now we're gonna pivot a little bit um for those who watch friends i know it's chuggy I know what chuggy means. Somebody at work mistook me for Gen Z today. Um, and I was like, are we fighting? <laughs> but stop, stop showing off. Pivot. Uh, so we're going to pivot and talk about something called houses. And it's not what I someday maybe dream of owning once my student debt decides to calm the fuck down. Um, Daddy Biden, help a girl out. But no. So the house system was created in the mid 1970s. So around the time, a little bit before Venus moved out um it was created by crystal and lottie labieja as a response to well first and foremost the racism directed at drag queens and members of the lgbtqia plus community Mm -hmm. that were people of color yeah um because it just all of the major drag establishments were just a sea of white yeah and so then also just a world and a country, America, an, an America that just condemned gender nonconformity. Like it, they still do it today. Don't get me wrong, but back then it was just uh, so bad. Yeah, we, we've <laughs> so made some. Bad. We've made some steps forward, but definitely there's not. so much time. Yeah. yeah, there's so much to go. So these all black houses, like the House of La Vieja, or all Latinx houses, like the House of Extravaganza. Um, they emulated like famous high fashion houses like Chanel and Dior and Yves Saint Laurent. Mm-hmm. And the difference was between like from not just these white drag houses, but also from these or yeah, from from drag houses, but also from the fashion houses, like people of color were not at the forefront. You didn't see yeah. black women on runways or black men on runways. People it was it was all white all the time all one body type all the mm-hmm. time so they allowed for these queens of color to just take center stage and like organize their own what were called balls which were basically like so we'll get into RuPaul's drag race a little bit there's this part where towards the end of the show right before like judging there's a runway challenge and they're given like a like a various themes that they're that they're told yeah um so 
for example, one theme a couple seasons ago was balls. And so people literally had like pom-pom suits or, or yeah. like they just had like a round ass dress. So shit like that. But it it's so glamorous. It's so high fashion. And like, it's just, it's beautiful stuff. Yeah. But so these balls were like that, except they would like compete. The different houses would compete. So they not only were able to like organize these balls to give people of color like the ability to like propel themselves forward as icons in the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah. They the houses also served as like a family structure that a lot of these people did not have. Mm -hmm. Um there were house mothers and fathers that acted as not only like leaders but also mentors for their quote unquote children. And they would just provide this welcoming, safe environment that at the time, hardly anybody in this community had, they didn't have like supportive parents. They didn't have yeah. like any of that. Like they're like in the documentary, for example, um, one of the, I think it was actually, I don't remember if it was, it might've been Paris Dupree who we'll get into mm -hmm. um like her her mother was so upset that she was wearing women's clothes that she found a mink coat in her closet mm -hmm. and there was perfume on it and it was like her signature perfume scent so she goes i know it's not some girlfriend that owns this coat and she burned the coat in the backyard Oof. yeah like shit like that like you you don't Nowadays, like we were just talking about people that we knew who are members of this community and how some of them are just we were so happy that their families that they were born into a family that's so accepting. Yeah. And, and a time where they can yeah. live their truth and yeah. just be who they are without the constant fear. I like obviously I'm not speaking for any type of uh, community that I'm not a part of, but. I, I have to imagine it's it's different being a part of this community um, when you can be out and proud uh, without the constant fear of persecution from every fucking turn. Right. Depending and, and on where you live, obviously. Right. I, and, and not even just that. Like, that's not to say also that you are... Like, there's no... There's a lot of... I don't want to say pressure, but there's a lot of... Like, oh, like, you should come out, you should be proud, strengthen numbers and whatnot. And that's the whole point of pride. You can be proud privately. Yeah. You can, if you, if it is not safe for you to share this part of your identity with other people, whether it's because you live at home and your family may not be as accepting, whether you live with a partner who may not be accepting, whether you live in a place that is just dangerous for people like yeah. yourself there is no shame in coming out. I know that it's seen as this wonderful, empowering thing for so many people, but for a lot of people, it can be extremely dangerous and there is no shame yeah, in that. So, yeah, it's so personal. Exactly. It's very personal. And hopefully at some point we'll get to a point where not that it won't matter, but it'll just, it's, it's, there will be, there will be one identity and it will be none your business. Perf. I, I have a dream. And that is that. But yeah. So in 1983, Venus was invited to join the House of Extravaganza by her drag grandfather, 
or the house's <laughs> grandfather, I guess I should say, which is Hector Extravaganza. Amazing. And I know, I know. I just, oh, we stand. So she was very quickly, like, she found her people. Mm-hmm. And she finally was, like, amongst people who encouraged her to be herself and who loved her for who she was. And she was quickly embraced by the members of the house, including its mother, Angie. Um, she became the drag mother and actually or the, the house mother and took Venus in and made her basically her like protege after Hector died of AIDS in 1985, which mm. is another whole terrible yeah. situation altogether. Um, or I should say AIDS-related complications, as my notes say, but I'm going a little bit off the book. Um, so at this point, Venus got her surname Extravaganza because basically that's like a traditional sort of thing that like you take the name of the house that you are a part of as that's you're cool. like, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, for example, on RuPaul's Drag Race, there's a competitor, Kennedy Davenport. And I know Kennedy Davenport sticks out to me just because that's the first season I started watching was season seven. It sounds so um, New England. Oh, there's sounds, a lot. There's a lot like, like very that. Yes. like very high. I believe I believe it's Southern. I believe they're in the South. Oh, really? OK. Um, but no. But, but then like you've got that. But then you've got like Alaska Thunderfuck. Like you've <laughs> okay, got incredible. <laughs> yes. There's no better name. There's a there's a couple there's a few, but um there or Miss Congeniality of season twelve, which was not this past season, but the one before, was Heidi and Closet, and <gasps> the whole. <sighs> Thank you, because I thought it was fucking funny. Every single person that I know that watched it was like, oh, God, that na-. even RuPaul was like, that name needs to go. <laughs> I think it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Um. But so, yeah. So, for example, Kennedy Davenport was a competitor on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race and then also season three and season five of Drag Race All Stars, which is like a like they take people who went who did well, but did not win in previous seasons and put yep. them against each other. So she is from the house of the Davenports, the house of Davenports, as the last name would suggest. And she's also, well, uh, there's a lot of drag siblings, but she is the drag sister of notably um, the late Sahara Davenport, who was a competitor on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. And that's a lot of that. That happens a lot with this reality series is that like different drag siblings will compete on different seasons and be like that's cool yeah like so season 13 just now um one of the top three was rose spoiler alert sorry um it's over you probably have seen it just if you've been muting your twitter this long then i don't know what to tell you rose was in the top three rose's drag sister who they're in like a band together they're really cool check them out um was Jan. Jan Jan last name Sport. Uh-huh. Jan Sport. And Jan was like a triple threat. Jan was fucking amazing. And I believe she actually is going to be on this upcoming season of All Stars as well because she's just she's fucking incredible. But so like they weren't on the same season together. I think they actually went out for the same season, but Jan got the got season twelve and Rose got season thirteen. And yeah, it's so there's a lot of that. There's Speaking a lot of, of like Jan family. Sport, I need yeah. a Lisa Frank queen. No, you I don't. I think 
I think no, her don't. outfits would be oh, just... Oh, I see. Um, All right. Look into Evie Oddly. Okay. Y-V-I-E and then like Oddly. And she's she's fucking weird. I'm not going to lie to you, but like... She, she might be my my inspiration. She's from Denver, so she really might be your inspiration. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> um, But yeah, so bottom line, Venus lost her biological family because of who she was as a human being and ended up finding a family that she was able to choose herself chosen family because best family. chosen family best family i say it all the time hi i love you yeah. um so she was able to find these people who accepted her for like who she was and gave her the freedom to live her life authentically and as she wanted no strings attached no judgment and just love yeah. And according to Venus, Hector was actually the first gay man that she had ever met, which that sort of kinship of finding somebody like, oh, hey, like you get it. You understand what it's yeah. like. Yeah. And for her 15th birthday, he bought her a cake and threw her a party in Greenwich Village. Oh, I know. Must right. Have been a slamming ass party. Girl, Greenwich Village in the <laughs> 80s. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, I sound like I sound like those kids that are like, oh, I was born in the wrong time. I wish I was born when Paris Hilton and Britney Spears wore low rise jeans. Oh, um, God. If, if you're listening to this and you are one of those kids, I love you so much. But you have no idea how badly you do not want low rise jeans to make a comeback. Trust me. No, it's a rough time. <laughs> We lived it. We don't want it. Oh, God, I feel so old. Um, so Venus helped the extravaganzas rise to prominence within the ballrooms. And just they 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 were and continue to be like one of the top houses and yeah. longest standing houses, the House of Extravaganza. And they also became known as like at this time, the House of Impossible Beauties. There's even wow. a book of the same title written about them, right? That's cool. She is that she like if you watch Paris is Burning, she's she's stunning. Um, but so that will get us to that. That's a good segue. Um, so in in the eighties, filmmaker Jenny Livingston began shooting the revolutionary documentary Paris is Burning. Um, one source told me that she shot it for seven years, meaning that it came out in 1990. Spoiler alert. Uh, Another source told me she started filming it in 1988, and therefore there's seven years is not between 1988 and 1990. I'm bad at math. I'm not that bad at math. So I'm not quite positive when she started okay. shooting this based on my my sources being yeah. so combative. But um, either way, the 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 premise, the, 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 it's about New York City's ballroom scene in the late 80s, and Venus was one of the people Livingston chose to interview for the film to profile um she also tapped willie ninja who nobody seems to know the name of but you know the vogue like the dance move yeah yeah that was willie ninja Whoa. like the the vogue that we know today that we all do is fucking willie ninja did that whoa that, that yeah um and then paris dupree i mentioned before um so she was the mother of the house of dupree and paris is burning is the name of the annual ball that the house of dupree would host that's really cool i like all these names i know they're they're, they're so fucking fancy. brilliant names they're so great and so then there's pepper la vieja from you know the house of la vieja and then dr soul williams pen davis 
and or Saul. It might be Saul. I fucked that up, I think. Um, But he's also fucking incredible because not only is he a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, he's a vet. Um, He has he was part of these ballrooms, but then also like he's currently well, I think it's over now. I think they've stopped filming. Um, there's there's a series that I'll get to that he serves as a consultant on mm-hmm. for being like, this is how things were back during this time. And it's just, he's it, fucking incredible. But so, yeah. So in the ballroom, like contestants who, again, they're they're poor. They're mostly black and, and Latinx. Gay men, trans women, what have you. They They would dress up and compete for trophies in themed categories like high fashion evening wear with like gorgeous gowns and fur coats um, or executive realness, which would be like power suits and briefcases. And then like schoolgirl and schoolboy realness where they'd dress up in like sweaters and uniforms and backpacks and books, but like elevated, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, but make it fashion. Um, so the underlying point of these categories wasn't even necessarily but make it fashion. It was just that these marginalized and mistreated groups of people were able to just for that one moment on the runway, they were able to live out life opportunities and events that they never had been able to experience and that would never truly be available to them Uh because of how horribly they were treated by society by american society um and like even with poverty like they weren't just poor like they were kept down to stay poor um so like for example pepper labieja said in the documentary quote i'd always see the way that rich people live and i feel it more it would slap me in the face. I'd say, I have to have that. I never felt comfortable being poor or even middle class doesn't suit me. Seeing the riches, seeing the way people on Dynasty lived, these huge houses. Why is it that they can have it and I didn't? I always felt cheated, end quote. Hmm. And for those who don't know, or for those who think that the current one on TV is the original Dynasty is a like soap opera-esque like TV show about rich white people in america yeah and it's a little less white now i was gonna say yeah it's a little less white now in the reboot but it's it's still relatively it's it's pretty fucking white um but yeah so this this was like a a common feeling it resonated amongst all of these participants in the ballrooms um they even venus like she she said in her interview quote I would like to be a spoiled, rich, white girl. (laughs) They get what they want whenever they want it. And they don't have to really struggle with finances and nice things, nice clothes. And they don't have to have that as a problem, end quote. Yeah. Fucking yes, exactly. Um, So the goal of this documentary was to not only criticize American culture, but also to shed a light on the darker realities of homophobia and transphobia and racism uh, and, and the AIDS epidemic and institutionalized poverty and just do it all through this glamorous lens of the ballroom and do so without treating 
these human beings as circus sideshows or points of interest for like the 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 white secular yeah. heteronormative cisgendered world audience because that's up until this point that's how and quite honestly beyond this point that's how this community has been treated yeah so at the beginning of the documentary pepper labieja says quote i remember my dad saying you have three strikes against you in this world you're black and you're male and you're gay you're going to have a hard fucking time he said if you're going to do this you're going to have to be stronger than you've ever imagined end quote Mm. and that basically sums up the premise of this documentary it shows that the documentary shows not just this this quote but like just how the concept of like intersectionality which is everybody hears it nowadays but back then it like intersectionality wasn't seen as a as a major point yeah um but how it works in tandem with like things like race and gender and sexuality and gender identity and like all kinds of other factors that are spun around and used to discriminate other people and keep them down Mm -hmm. so we don't know a lot about venus other than what's in this documentary um i'll uh, i'll spoil it she lived a very short life and just Really, the only snapshots we get of her are in this because she had so much going for her. She had such a big future and we never got to see it and she Mm -hmm. never got to see it. But we do know because of this documentary and the people who have kept her spirit and her story alive, I'm I'm about to lay out everything that I was able to find. (laughs) All right. So she worked as a sex worker for one thing. Um, And this was partially to save up money for her gender reassignment surgery, though at the time of filming the documentary, she was like, I've quit. I'm not doing it anymore. But when I did, it was like this. Okay. Um, And she would say, quote, I want my sex change to make myself feel complete, end quote. Mm. So in addition to sharing her life as a trans woman, which is brave enough in and of itself, she also was just openly like just willing to discuss her life as a sex worker, which she referred to as hustling. And called attention to the fact that many trans people needed, and quite honestly, they still need to today, to perform sex work in order to survive. Hmm. And both viewers of the documentary and then also just people who knew Venus, just, they were, they came to love her. She, she charms you and is, like I said before, like, she's beautiful, but not just uh, like she's beautiful inside and out and she's so i hate to i hate to sound like that that girl but she's so real she's so ambitious and funny and she's just got such raw sheer talent yeah that's just it, it she shines and almost as if a prediction for what was to come which i'm about to tell you um at one point in the documentary dorian corey who is just a drag legend says quote when they can walk out of the ballroom into the sunlight and onto the subway and get home and still have their clothes and no blood running off their bodies those are the femme realness queens end quote Hmm. so in the documentary 
the last time we see Venus is she's laughing, she's smoking a cigarette and leaning against a boom, bo- boom box and telling the camera, I'm hungry, but not hungry for food. She she wants she's hungry for like her life and for her future yeah. and like to become that model and that wife and just everything that she knows she can achieve if she can just get a fucking break. Yeah. So on Christmas Day, 1988, while filming of Paris is Burning was still underway, Venus's body was found stuffed under a hotel room bed at the Duchess Hotel in New York City. She was 23 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, The medical examiner estimated she had been murdered by strangulation and she had died four days prior to her discovery. (gasps) No. Yes. Um, People had noticed that she had gone missing, but... It falls on deaf ears. Yeah, I was going to say, even if... I don't know whether or not they tried to find her, but even if they tried... I'm sure within their They would have had more luck themselves. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They would have had more luck themselves. Um, Because Venus was still estranged from her parents at the time of her death, um, her house mother, Angie Extravaganza went and identified her body and basically signed the necessary papers to have her cremated and everything. Wow. Um, And she also was given the difficult tasks of not only breaking the news to Venus's biological family, but also arranging the funeral service. Yeah. Which I can't even imagine. Yeah. And because she, she did see her as like a daughter. Yeah, and she yeah. like she she was saying in the documentary basically like n- n- not this isn't a direct quote but basically it was just like she was the future she was the yeah. main daughter that was going to come out of this and make it like huge there, uh, there's no time left for me i'm too old i'm not at a point where i can be like well maybe i can still like become famous and become this uh, now it's just like maybe i can make a small impact she goes she was gonna like she's gonna it. be a big name yeah yeah um but yeah so angie believed that or theorized i should say that venus was killed by a client after he discovered she was trans like a like during performing sex work um and again although venus allegedly was no longer in the sex work industry it's not that far off in terms of a theory um in the documentary venus herself talked about how some clients would become absolutely fucking blind with rage when they would find out that she was trans in the middle of like a a sexual encounter yeah um she said quote some people think we're sick and crazy some people think we're the most gorgeous special things on earth end quote yeah in one particular incident venus talked about how she was almost attacked by a john upon his discovery that she was trans and she actually had to jump out the window (gasps) to escape oh my god yeah um she but she did note that i will say a lot of her clients she said were very nice very friendly and some would even give her gifts like she she again she just she was enigmatic yeah um like it's it, it was tough not to love her and Unfortunately, because not enough attention is given to violence against sex workers and also to members of the trans community, not to mention now you're putting them both together. 
um, the police didn't really do much by way of trying to solve Venus's murder. Mm. And while it's still considered an active investigation, that means that a lot of these details can't be publicized, um, which is, again, part of the reason why there's not too much known about this case. Yeah. Um, And honestly, on top of that, though, because there was such, I don't want to say apathy, but no, fuck it. I'll say it. Say apathy. Um, The details surrounding this case, honestly, it's probably too late now to even get much information. I don't Um, know. They're they're solving cold cases all over the place. True. I wouldn't say say anything is is too old to solve. True. I wouldn't say it's too old to solve. I'm I'm thinking, I guess, more in terms of like DNA and forensics and everything. Like they they just. Well, they didn't care at the time, so they probably didn't collect much. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it'll be it'll be a lot more difficult. Yeah. But somebody out there definitely knows something. This wasn't that long ago. Yeah. This was this was almost what forty years ago. That's yeah. not that long ago. <laughs> almost forty years ago. Um, Haley, we're almost forty. Um, what? I mean, not yet. Indirectly, but almost. You're closer than I am. Um, Gee, thanks. But yeah. So it, it's just it. It's so it, it. It's just it's so daunting to like think about just the possibility of this case being solved. Um, in, but in terms of law enforcement not giving attention to Venus's murder, the same can also be said of Livingston and her documentary, Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. Um, after following Venus around for however long it was, whether it was a year, seven years, a few months, uh, depending on who you ask, yeah. um, the same can also be said of Livingston because she just made everybody fall in love with Venus and then kind of just glosses over her murder, mentions a possible cause of mo- uh, and motive, and like that's it. Yeah, there's there's not much. They don't really focus that much on it. Um, the the end of the movie shows Angie's reaction as she learns of Venus's murder, or she's learned of it at this point. They don't get the like live. Yeah, yeah, that that would be which, too much. Yeah, that would be yeah, but um. Angie said, quote, I always said to her, Venus, you take too many chances. You're too wild with people in the streets. Someone is going to something is going to happen to you. But that was Venus. She always took a chance. She always went into a stranger's car. She always did what she wanted to get what she wanted, end quote. And Angie said that she had always been worried that, quote, something was going to happen to her, end quote. Because Mm. she was just a free spirit. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing too. That's really all that's touched on about Venus's murder, other than including Angie's theory. And I feel like Livingston could have done something to try to call more attention to this case. Probably, yeah. Um, but Venus is buried at Holy Cross Cemetery in North Arlington, New Jersey. Um, her dead name is written on her grave. Oh. And her murderer has still never been caught, identified, apprehended. None of it. Yeah. Um, the House of Extravaganza remains active in the ball circuit and in nightlife and LGBTQIA plus activism. It remains one of the longest standing houses 
in New York City. Got that great name. It's got that great name. <laughs> and and you can't, can't even see, you can't see, everybody else can see because of the title, but it's spelled extravaganza X-T-R-A. Yeah. Yeah, v- I saw that yeah. in our outline. It looks, oh. It's so great. I love it. But yeah, so Paris is Burning premiered on September 1990, in September 1990, whoopsies, in Toronto, Canada, and grossed $3.7 million at the box office, which is nearly $7.8 million today, which not only is really good for a documentary at that time, but also I think the budget was something like $3,000, huh. $3,500. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it like stayed in the box office for something like six months, which again is not really heard of Yeah, with documentaries like this. Um, and it launched Livingston's career as a filmmaker in addition to bringing this, this topic and the experience, the experiences of LGBTQIA plus people and POC members of that community and like impoverished members of that community and members of that community who suffered from AIDS, all of that to the forefront of public discussion. And it ended up winning the 1991 Sundance Film Festival Grand Jury Prize and was included in the film archive at the Library of Congress here in the U.S. in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And like the movies that it was like made part of that film archive alongside, it's like all like classic movies that we all know today but not enough people seem to know about paris spurning um it it even still i shouldn't say that because like it's it's been nearly 30 years it still has an impact it's just that it may not be one in a way that somebody would expect yeah um like i said before it has faced criticism and not just because of venus's murder being used for mostly like kind of like a dramatic effect like a sad ending with no real like weight put behind it but also over the fact that livingston essentially profited off the film's subjects again this movie made a few million dollars yeah and despite that many of the subjects of the film died of aids including mm-hmm. angie extravaganza willie ninja and dorian Corey, and the rest many of them are currently impoverished still yeah. just nothing came of this and this has not just been said by the public but by the subjects of the documentary themselves yeah and just livingston basically turned the suffering of queer people of color into even though that wasn't the initial intention i think of the documentary she ended up doing exactly what i think the point was which was making this suffering entertainment for straight white audiences it it seems so yeah so yeah um, in her short time on this earth, Venus made a huge impact on pop culture. Um, and it, despite it being through her appearance in Paris is Burning, but still, um, I've talked about RuPaul's Drag Race. It's it, for those who don't know what RuPaul's Drag Race is, maybe I should have said that in the beginning. So if you've seen America's Next Top Model, if you've heard of America's Next Top Model, picture that, but with drag queens and kind of more fun, campy, silly challenges. Yeah. Um, my favorite as many people is snatch game it's called where they they're in drag but they dress up as like a pop culture character whether it's like a fictional character or like um i'm trying to think like in the one of the uk versions one of them dressed as donald trump or somebody else has done carol Amazing. channing and like it's just all of the flavor flav shea coulee oh, just God. did flavor flav like it's it's 
it's i'll send you i'll send you clips because they're they're my favorite episodes they're so fucking funny um but yeah so rupaul's drag race has made multiple indirect references to venus because some of the lines that she said in paris is burning are just iconic and are frequently used as like quotes yeah um so for example on season four episode two of the series which is titled what the fuck or wtf uh wrestling's trashiest fighters end quote okay um the, one of the contestants william belly willem belly oh god i'm sorry willem's a willem's a vet so like not not like that vet not that kind of vet, but like a, a drag vet yeah um so I, I did not mean to fuck up your name if you're listening i promise they're you're not listening um but so willem says to quote touch touch this skin touch all this skin end quote mm-hmm during this challenge that they're in and then he calls the opposing team quote a bunch of overgrown orangutans end quote (laughs) which is a reference to the documentary from when venus was like reading someone which is like a drag term for like roasting or trash talking depending on pretty much how much you hate the person um so like and like the the judges like rupaul michelle visage they'll make references they'll, they'll like quote things that venus extravaganza has said yeah um so in her 1996 novel bodies that matter on the discursive limits of sex feminist writer judith butler not just a writer she's also a scholar um she discussed venus's interviews in the context of transgender identity and gender theory it's got a 4.1 out of 5 on goodreads and the synopsis is quote in bodies that matter renowned theorist and philosopher judith butler argues that theories of gender need to return to the most material dimension of sex and sexuality the body butler offers a brilliant reworking of the body examining how the power of heterosexual hegemony forms the matter of bodies sex and gender butler argues that power operates the constrained sex from the start to constrain sex from the start, delimiting what counts as a viable sex. She clarifies the notion of performativity introduced in the gender trouble and via bold readings of Plato, Irigaray, Lacan, and Freud explores the meaning of a of citational, yeah, of a citational politics, end quote. I was right. Fuck that. Um, Then there's also the Wolfgang Book, Wolfgang Bush documentary, called how do i look which premiered in 2006 and that features venus it obviously like not her as a person but yeah well no she is a person but you know what i mean you know what i mean you get it you get it um it references her because one of the subjects of the documentary which is jasmine Givenchy, she receives the venus extravaganza legends award oh with the words on it like it says the name of the award but then it says quote presented to jasmine givenchy celebrating black history and culture through the rich traditions of the ballroom house community february 20th 2004 end quote Hmm. so like that's what i'm saying like this girl made an impact yeah um in 2013 live in theater a theater troupe premiered an interactive murder mystery play based on venus's case Wow. called the murder of venus extravaganza not wow 1988 basically the audience had to help quote solve the mystery and quote oh, of venus's no. murder yes in a what they called blend of drag ball memorial service murder mystery and fun all in one end quote 
Come on, yeah. theater. We can do better than this. We can. Come the fuck on. Spoiler. Um, I'm going to be talking about theater soon. Oof. I'm hard. Uh, <laughs> so, The House of Extravaganza, which was neither consulted nor involved in the production oh, of no. this. Yes. Of this um, play. They found it to be a, quote, inappropriate, opportunistic, and dis- they found it to be, quote, inappropriate, opportunistic, and disrespectful to Venus's legacy, end quote. Yeah. Um, they later, they... they so it started out they condemned it in a press release and were like hey nobody ever talked to us about this we do not endorse it we do not support it yeah and then they elaborated in this press release to say that it was inappropriate and opportunistic and disrespectful to venus's legacy and extremely loud and incredibly close and venus's biological family also came out and said that they didn't like it yeah which i I feel like is saying something um but yeah so they can suck a fuck but then there's a 2016 documentary called Free CC exclamation point. And it is about CC McDonald, who was incarcerated in a men's prison for the manslaughter of a man who physically attacked her. Oh, yes. I remember hearing about this. Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, I think you can rent it on Prime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was directed by Jacqueline Gares and I think... I think Laverne Cox might also have something to do with it, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I don't remember if she, like, I, I know she's on camera, obviously. But um, they just talk about basically violence against transgender women and clips of Venus are featured, like, from Paris uh-huh. is Burning are featured within the documentary. And you can yeah. rent that on Prime. Um, so then in 2018, Joseph Casara, a Puerto Rican... And I'm just letting I'm putting this out there so that people can understand the lens through which I think he is looking at this story, I guess, is the best way to put it. I I referenced this before, but he published a fictional novel based on Venus's life called The House of Impossible Beauties. And it's a book. It's a book. Oh, Oh, no. Um, It was it was published in February 2018 and just was faced with a lot of criticism oh boy Um, again it's a work of fiction but even still he took a lot of liberties with her story um and generally it was just very exploitative in nature um it feels like a lot of this stuff is yeah well and like there's like very gratuitous kind of like borderline porny sex scenes written in it and like Uh. come on like the girl was a sex worker and she's trained like we're not gonna we're not gonna tr- like i said it this once before but like sh- yeah this isn't 50 shades of gray now come on well that but also like we're not gonna treat her like some kind of kink like a sideshow yeah, yeah like she's not some fucking category on Pornhub. she's a f- human being who was just fucking brutalized she wanted fairly unjustly make money to become the person that she was like yeah jesus so in between these sex scenes venus be- also becomes heavily addicted to cocaine and or the character becomes addicted to cocaine and she is still brutally murdered at the end of the novel so he takes all of these liberties but he doesn't even take the one liberty that would give her justice give her a happy ending that being said oh i guess i should conclude it's got a 3.8 out of 5 on goodreads yeah okay whatever um but that being said there's a show it's called pose (gasps) 
came out in 2018. I'm obsessed. It's so yes. fucking good. I'm only a few episodes in because I found out that it was on Netflix during researching this. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. Um, so, by the way, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but it's based on the Harlem ballroom scene at around the time that Paris is Burning takes place in the 80s, oh, mid to cool. late 80s. And it centers around the characters from fictional houses, House of Abundance and House of Evangelista. And the latter... That's probably the safest way to do this. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, and, and the House of Evangelista is named after Linda Evangelista, who was a supermodel who kind of got her big break at the time. So it's like timely, a timely yep. reference. But also she was a huge AIDS activist. Mm -hmm. Still might be. I just, I haven't... I don't know Linda Evangelista that well. Well, I don't know her personally, but <laughs> I have not seen much from her in recent years, but I also do not closely follow her career. So she's probably still doing shit. I just missed her. Um, but yeah, it makes multiple references to Venus in the storyline, um, both through the character Aphrodite Extravaganza, who is played by real life member of the house, or, or I take that back, through the character Aphrodite, who is played by real-life member of the House of Extravaganza, okay. Alex, uh, Alexia Garcia Extravaganza. So they, like, kept it in the family, which That's I really cool. love. Yeah. And she's all, like, first of all, she lives. But yes. she, her whole premise is she's trans, and she talks about, like, hey, like, not that you aren't a woman without these parts, but just, like, for some people, that's important to them. And she uh -huh. just, she's all about like, hey, like, don't like yuck somebody else's yum. Like, just love yourself. And like she, and she's like sitting there and she's winning balls and she's like beating the older queens at their games and just like is getting this, this, this justice that Venus deserved and is living out this life that Venus had laid out before her, uh -huh. this future. Um, and that includes having a gender reassignment surgery. Um, so in addition to all of these, she just really serves as this beacon of inspiration for fellow characters, but then also for just people watching. Yeah. And you, it's just, it's, it's so heartwarming to see because I mean, Venus may never get the justice that she truly does deserve but at least in some timeline in some story she gets a happy ending yeah and she's never going to be forgotten with all of this like yeah. references in pop culture yeah well and this is the show also that um saul is like working on that he that he served as, as a consultant on again i believe they're done filming now um and they, they hired somebody else from Paris is Burning. I can't remember who the fuck it was, whether it was from the La House of La Vieja or I can't remember now off the top of my head. But like they, they like made an effort. And also, fun fact, do you know who created this show, Haley? Whomst? Our faves. Ryan Murphy. Brad Falchuk. Always, and it's, it's always fucking always, Ryan Murphy. It, it really, it really fucking is, though. Like, I, I saw that and I was like, because I didn't know that that was who created it. And I was just like, wait, you're joking, right? Did, did I talk about in the Glee episode that I don't trust and, his face? 
Yes, yes, that he's got okay. a very punchable face. Um, yes. But and then also Sherry Marsh, Sherry Marsh, and Stephen Canals, Canals. Okay. Um, like they're they're like the big producers. But then there's also Janet Mock, who is a writer and a producer, and I believe she also is director of some of the episodes. Yes, of six of the episodes. I just did a double check, but like she's she's incredible. If you've never heard of Janet Mock. Um, she's a trans rights activist. She is a trans woman, um, a writer, director, producer, and just f- a-, a powerhouse of a fucking woman. Yeah. Um, and in an interview with TV Guide, she wrote, I mean, she spoke of Venus's story and how it served as partial inspiration for not just her, but for the show and yeah. like for the character of Aphrodite, which let's not, let's not miss Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love and sex and desire yep. and like oh oh we love a we love a little winky wink but um she says quote I don't think there was more of an image that had more of an impact on me than seeing Venus extravaganza sitting on that pier smoking a cigarette you can't write and make up characters like that they're all so real about the little humble goals that they wanted and I think that is what the lasting impact of that film is end quote yeah so furthermore In her 2014 memoir, Redefining Realness, Mock discusses her personal difficulties accepting and being proud of herself as a trans woman. And she she cites the treatment or I should say mistreatment of of these women by society and just by by everyone um, as a reason for her struggle with that her internal struggle with that and she used venus's quote unsolved and underexplored end quote murder as an example writing quote according to the media trans women are subject to pain and punchlines end quote Mm. which is that is true so um if you want to watch pose again it's on netflix i highly recommend i think that it's fucking brilliant and i'm I, I'm into it. I'm I'm like super into it. You know, I have to watch it. I'll get out it, of my my rewatch rut. You really should because yeah. first of all, it's not too many episodes. I think there's like 25 episodes or something like that because okay. it's not many seasons. But they like ended it on their own terms, which I liked. Um, and it's got a 95% Google score, an 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and a take a breath. 90. <sighs> oh, thank you. Sorry, take another breath. <laughs> 98% tomato meter rating on rotten tomatoes wow, with an 85 percent audience happens. score right especially for a show what was the audience score 85 percent. wow right? All right like girl and then the series info is quote upon receiving an hiv positive diagnosis blanca rodriguez mj rodriguez is forced to confront her mortality and dedicates herself to leaving a legacy with the encouragement of her friend pray tell billy porter the fierce patriarch and MC of the House Balls, Blanca breaks from Electra, Dominique Jackson, mother of the House of Abundance, and starts her very own house, a self-selected family that provides support to LGBTQ youth rejected by their birth families. Blanca's newly formed House of Evangelista becomes a haven for anyone searching for a home, and Blanca's new family soon includes streetwalker Angel, played by India Moore, aspiring dancer Damon, Ryan Jamal Swain, and his boyfriend Ricky, Delon Burnside, and Streetwise, Lil Poppy, played by Angel Bismarck Curiel. And Love. India Moore is also trans. For those who want to learn more about 
trans rights, uh, black trans rights, POC trans rights. I highly recommend you follow her. She is not only fucking gorgeous and just beautiful to look at, but she is a wealth of information and it's just so easy to educate yourself, especially in a time where black lives matter, trans lives matter, black trans lives matter. And she is just, she's, she's just kind of, but Janet Mock, she, Laverne Cox, just, there's so many beacons of hope out there. Um, and it, it, you know, I think that Venus extravaganza probably would have been one too, as a Latina woman. Definitely. And, oh, all right. All right. I think I, I think I gotta, I think I, (laughs) I think I gotta call it back. All right. I think that's it for me. I think I'm, I'm good. Emotionally. I'm fine. This is fine. Yeah. I'm going to go watch some pose, you know? (laughs) All right. Well, we have been Crime Culture. We have been, uh, and we will be. You're listening to half of Pride Month because I'm a fucking dumb. Not an ally, that's for sure. uh, I tried. Mm -hmm. You tried real hard. I'm planning a very stressful wedding. Would that be a straight wedding? Yes. (laughs) But it's going to be the most fabulous event of the year. It will be, and it'll be because I'll be there. Hey. <laughs> no, we'll just, we'll just, we'll need to get our makeup done twice because we'll cry the first time. We'll cry it all off. I'm just going to get it tattooed in my face. So I don't have to worry about it. Hey, um, you know, my pediatrician has her eyeliner tattooed on her fucking eyelids, that's, and that's metal as fuck. That's like a princess my diaries level that I'm not ready for. Uh, I mean, I can't even do microblading. I'm like, you're doing it on your fucking lids? That's um, a thing that people do. Anyway. Fucking badass. I love it. <laughs> We've been Crime Culture. You can go to our website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. There you will find all the links to our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can and also... Not- and not LinkedIn. Thank you. Uh, you can also find the link to our Patreon. Join the Patreon. It's a fun time over there. Join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. Um... Also, you can email us, crimeculturepod at gmail.com. We've been getting some fantastic photos of cats. I'm Ugh, really, really blessings. just living for it. If you have Send us fuzzy- some pussy pics. It's pride. Well, pics. I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, website, social medias, email. Uh, that's it. And that is it. with that, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.